Hey, this is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. This is episode 290 of the Michelle Mission on our road to 300. And we are reviewing Above the Rim from 1994 with Elizabeth Wellington of the Philadelphia Inquirer. We have a fun conversation that kicks off the show about exactly what it takes to claim a certain city. There's a certain criteria that Elizabeth abides by, and you're going to hear that at the top of the show before we dig into some conversation about New Edition, a favorite of mine and Elizabeth. We're both going to their concert that's coming up here in Philadelphia, and we go in hard on New Edition. We play Six Degrees of Dervell Martin from with Vincent to John Wayne, as well as to Jeff Bridges. I don't know. I don't think Vince is going to have quite as easy a time of it as he usually has. Then we get into our review, which somehow reignites the intense debate about the hip hop duo Nice and Smooth. I don't know how we got there, but we get there and it's pretty freaking explosive on this episode of the Michelle Mission. Enjoy. Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. Hey, Ooh, I'm sorry. And as always, I'm joined <laughs> by my anxious partner. Hey, this is Vincent Williams. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to continue on the road to our 300th episode, making a stop above the rim from mm. 1994 and helping us to review this film she is a noted columnist with the philadelphia inquirer and a half her lifetime new yorker put your hands <laughs> together for elizabeth wellington hey elizabeth. hey what's going on elizabeth old friend hey, elizabeth at this point Hi, this, is what you, this is your uh, second time on the show at least so I would almost say it's my third, but yeah. I'll go with second. No, no, I did um another show with you guys when we were talking about uh a show on HBO that we all like. So yeah, this is my second time on the Michelle Mission. And and it's uh, couldn't come soon enough. We're very excited to have you back with us, uh, Elizabeth. Thank you so very very much. As I alluded to earlier in your intro. As we say hello to everyone out there watching us as we are streaming live via StreamYard to Facebook, Twitter, as well as on Twitch. The B Show Mission is live on Twitch. As I alluded to earlier, you have uh, roots here in Philadelphia, having lived here for the for quite some time, but you still claim yourself as a diehard New Yorker and that's because you have a very staunch rule in regards to that. Yes. You can only claim the city that you went to high school in. Okay. And that's, that's a my rule. rule. And I'm in, I'm plus I'm coming to you from New York now. Well, well there you go. She, she, she did a show from Philly. Now she's doing a show from New York. Her true hometown. And she's living the adage, it ain't where you're from, it's where you're at. Yeah, yeah. And you're where you're at, where you're from. 
Well, there you go. And she is from in New York. And I like that rule. I, I do have to say, just like Vince, I do agree with that rule. You can only claim the city that you went to high school in. So, and that means that that city is the only one that can claim you as well. Because I hear a whole lot of, because, you know, jumping ahead a little bit, in regards to above the rim, there are a whole lot of New Yorkers that want to claim Tupac because mm-hmm. he was born in New York. But as Vincent noted, he was raised in Baltimore. He certainly went to high school there. Right. So he is actually more of, okay, so there you go. So would he, should he therefore be considered a, a, you know, a what do you call them? Baltimore? A Baltimorean? A Baltimorean? Yes. I would say so. Okay. I would say so. But what about his affiliation with the West Coast? I mean, that's that's between him and the West Coast. I just know where he's from. I know if I need I bet he knows how to eat a he knew how to eat a proper crab cake. Okay. I didn't know that there was a particular way to eat a crab cake. I mean, I was just thinking about a Baltimore. Okay. Or he knows how to properly eat crabs. Okay. I well, bet Tupac knew his way around some crabs. He looks like he knows his way around some crabs. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. How do you eat crabs, Elizabeth? Do you eat crab? Yes, I'm definitely a seafood fan. I, I like I like I eat crabs. Um I eat them as often as I can. Oh. Oh. Ooh. And how often is that? Depends on how my pockets are looking. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, some days are tuna days, some days some are days crab, crab days. days. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. that's right. That's true. And uh and, and Vincent knows today is my tuna day. Look. I will be leaving after the show. I'm grabbing uh some tuna. Shout out to everyone out there in the chat watching us as we're streaming live. Sharon Eldridge says that Falls Church is the only city that can claim me <laughs> help. Yes. <laughs> Wear it proudly, Sharon. Wear it proudly. Yeah, yeah, well, you, you guys brought up a good point about Pac, though, because like he he can claim, and maybe because maybe you have to make an amendment to it, um, because he claims. I mean, he's when you think about West Coast rap, he's definitely a West Coast rapper, right? Okay, and so that's fair. You, sure, and that's sure. fair. So. You know the whole digital underground thing. I mean, so he definitely can claim Baltimorean, but maybe that's like an, a just an everyday people thing, like right. you know people mm-hmm. like you and me who you know who grow up, move to different cities. You know, you got to claim this school you went to high school in, but maybe it's technically you should claim the city where you have where you build your notoriety, where people mm. know you from. Because like, can he claim? I think you can claim. I think you can claim you can you're all, you can only be oh, that's hard because <laughs> I was gonna say you can claim two you can claim because a part of me can claim Philly because you know I'm a columnist in the Philadelphia Inquirer I know a lot about Philly but right. my hometown but I, but I think I guess I'm a New Yorker to my bone but I claim I mean I claim Philly you know I give Philly respect and love. No, um, it, well, you should, but yeah. like, but New York. But I'm definitely a New Yorker. Yeah, so that goes out. Yeah, so he's, yeah, okay. I stand by my original line. <laughs> nah. He's a Baltimorean, but he can, you know, he can claim the West Coast because it's like, you know. This is quite the existential conundrum. <laughs> I've had this discussion a lot, though, because this one friend I had was from Coatesville. 
and I should like say that and smile before people come at me hard on the show. Um, so he was from Hoseville and he was like, oh, you know, I've been in New York for three years. I'm claiming New York. I'm like, you can't claim, there's no way you can claim New York. No, and certainly not after three years. Yeah, you can't claim New York. I mean, can you tell me, you know, the the difference between the blue line and the orange line on the subway? And he kind of looked at me like I was the bad guy. And I'm like, you know. (laughs) I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. Exactly. (laughs) I'm the enforcer, so. That's right. See that gate over there? I'm in charge of letting people in and out of it. Word. (laughs) No, yeah. Yeah, you can't do that. And especially in three years, he was a grown adult. So, no. No, mm-hmm. that, 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 maybe when he's eighty, you say check when he's eighty, and he's still living in New York. You can't even claim the city. Then you could say you live there. Yes, you even know everything in the city. Yet. Look, like I said, I live. I have lived in Philadelphia longer than I have any other city, mm-hmm. but I would never claim Philadelphia. Yeah, like, unless I don't you know, some- I don't know enough about Philadelphia to claim Philadelphia. Unless you had somebody like Lynn, you know, vouch for you. Hmm. Mm. It's still a guest pass. You. It's still a guest pass. Ooh, word. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm giving them a guest pass. <laughs> Elizabeth and I share a love of talking about 90s again, 90s hip hop and RB. And we're we're visiting 90s hip hop in this in this movie, but we're going to be visiting 90s RB this Thursday. Because we're going to the New Edition concert here in Philadelphia. Cannot wait. And the last time Elizabeth was on here, she didn't get a chance to show her devout love for everything that is New Edition. Like you are, a, like you are a New Yorker, true and true. But I believe your 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 blood type is NE. Is that correct? I am an original. I am an original any for life. Like so much so that I was telling somebody the other day that when I was nine, it was the year I turned nine years old, and it was Christmas time, and mm-hmm. Candy Girl came out. The album Candy Girl mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. and it was 1983. And I got Christmas money, and I took myself <laughs> down Not to like the Christmas Wiz. Money. To I took myself down to the Wiz by myself. Mm. I got on the Q2 bus. Through Hollis, represent y'all. Anybody from New York knows what I'm talking about. Went down to the app and bought my first album with my first money. I think I paid like seven or eight dollars for the new edition album. And I played that album so much. There are places in the Candy Girl song where it skips now. And I and it, 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 I'm not, I might not be listening to my album, but I still know those skip parts. Right, right. Yeah, you you memorize the skips. Yeah, I memorize the skips. You no, know. that's Most how you know. Most definitely. Right. Um, so so you were down with New Edition from from the start. I, too, was down from from New Edition from the start. Um, did you how did you feel? Because uh, our, our social media person, Toya, she she's got a particular way. She only recently and by recently, I mean, last week <laughs> has accepted that Johnny Gill is a, is an actual member of New Edition. It was a long process. I, I believe Dennis Edwards brokered the deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know this, this is going to be a fun conversation with Leon, The Temptations, Dennis Edwards, New Edition, the movies. It's going to be some fun stuff. Um, but y- yeah, it was funny. My sister, so my sister is a diehard Prince fan. Okay. So, so and I was a diehard New Edition fan. 
And between the two of us, when we shared a room, there was always one or the other. You know, we we threw in Thriller in between. Michael Jackson Thriller was always mm-hmm. was always welcome. But we were either listening to a lot of New Edition or a lot of Prince. And so by, you know, by osmosis, she's a fan. And she's had a harder time accepting Johnny Gill than I, I have. Like, really? I, yeah, Poor I Johnny. mean, I think, you know, and he said on the Tamara Hall show that he's still the new guy. Um, now, I, um, you know, Can You Stand the Rain, I think probably broke me in forever. But he he's not, I mean, like, I could go see a new edition concert and Johnny Gill wouldn't show it. I'd be like, oh, man, it would be sad for Johnny not to come. But, <laughs> wow. But, you know, but I accept him, you know? It's hard, you know, it's just, yeah. You you wouldn't miss his solo efforts and him telling you to rub, he gonna rub you the right way? You know, it's so funny. The only Johnny Gill song I really liked was Fairweather Friend. That's a good song. That now, a good that song, was actually. a tight, as my sister would say, that was a tight beat. Yes. Um, that was a tight song. The rest of them, I just felt he was just too, he was overbearing and over, you know, he was just like, I just felt like Johnny Gill was like, oh, um, yeah, and he was, true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. he was like, she was like chocolate fudge. He took over the whole Sunday, you know? <laughs> that's, that's actually not a bad description. <laughs> Yeah, that is Johnny. That is Johnny all the way. But I mean, I like Johnny. You know, I like Johnny Gill. But you know, there's something about the original five. Um, if I was home, I would bring, bust out my old album and my pictures with them and stuff. Um, I don't know. See, see, like, but to me, and don't get me wrong, I love mm-hmm. the, the original, and 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 Bobby definitely mm-hmm. has that gives gives them that edge you know that what's lost a little bit when johnny left but johnny he did give them he gave them some he gave them some he gave them some balls like you know because he had like some soul he had a little like you know a little bit of like like uh uh, gravitas to his to his vocals you know i mean I mean, that's why they were all the way in the back, so he could just riff, you know, all day like he wanted to. But he, he just added some. I would miss Johnny, you know. I'm sorry. I mean, yeah, I mean that's fair. I mean, it was. I don't know if you remember. It's weird how much I remember about New Edition, but you remember when? I don't know if you remember when Heartbreak first came out. Oh yeah, that's when the, that's new, the, when the first I album to. came out. Mm-hmm. I went to that tour. That was like the best. That's still the best concert ever because it was Bobby Brown, Albie Shore, and New Edition. And we, yep. I thought I was gonna lose my 15 year old ever loving mind. Like I'm surprised <laughs> I'm standing here right now. We, I mean, we went. I must have seen that concert three times. Like it was so. Wow. Like wow. I mean, it was like, and I was like begging my parents, like let me go by myself. Like it was like a huge. Like it was so. Every I'm sure every 15 year old black girl in 1989 found a way to get to that concert. It was mm-hmm. it was just everything. And I remember when the fir- album first came out, and um, if it isn't love came out, that was the first mm-hmm, single. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you know we were all like we were all Ralph groupies. Everybody was like a Ralph, and back then you know we were Ralph and Ronnie groupies, and we were sad. Bobby, we were sad. Bobby was gone, but what can we do um <laughs> you know i need a girlfriend like we kind of accepted that bobby was gone at the time we didn't think bobby was ever going to come back though either That's and i remember true. when heartbreak came out and um like they they hit johnny 
Like nobody wanted like with if it isn't love, like Johnny was in the back. They hid Johnny. Like you yeah. didn't even hear Johnny. There was no Johnny Gill on that record. You saw him trip and fall in the video, and that was it. We were like, oh. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He just kind of tripped and fall and he was done. Had and on then, like them church shoes. Mm-hmm. And then they then they came out with my kind of girl, and you still didn't hear Johnny. No, you did but not. We were still okay with it. It was very good marketing because we were just all Ralph people. We didn't care what happened. We were like Ralph and Ricky, and that was it. But when he came out with Can You Stand in the Rain, and the rain started dropping, and they were sitting down and stuff, and he started hollering, people were like, oh. <laughs> so they knew, so they knew, they knew at the time that we, we would have a tough time with Johnny and they introduced Johnny. Well, now Johnny was smart because he didn't get like super duper. He didn't pull like a, you know, um, he didn't pull a, what's his name? A David Ruffin on anybody and make you yeah, like him. Right. Um, and that's why he will we'll always kind of like Johnny. Well, that's, um, that's true. That's the reason why he was, that's able to why he did right, well. Right. Because he didn't come and try and step on Ralph's right. toes. Everybody right. knew mm-hmm. this was Ralph's. He played his position. Yeah, it was Ralph's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not only that, but every girl who was a new edition fan would have killed him. We would have went. We would have lost it. He'd have been. We'd they'd have been like five or six people trying to replace him. <laughs> so he did Very his true. role. He did his thing. But you know, I'm excited to see all six though, and I'm especially excited to see Bob because you know Bob just like Bob's been through so much. He's been right? through a lot. And you know he's lost kids. He lost Whitney. You know they tried to make Bob out to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I'm Team Bobby because I'm like it was. I'm sure Bobby was did not have any money for cocaine. If you saw the movie, mm-hmm. you know how that went. Right. So yeah, right. you know just the fact that he's still standing. He's yeah. had strokes. Yeah, yeah. You know it's it, it's interesting to me. I was thinking about this not too long ago about how the narrative has changed about Bobby Brown and relationships. Mm-hmm. Relationship with Whitney, because one of the things that I think people forget, you know, my God, because we're going back to like the late 80s now, mm-hmm. is that before Whitney got with Bobby Brown, she couldn't make it work with Randall Cunningham. Randall Cunningham, the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, they couldn't make it work. And and, and the story is, is that Randall was like, yo, girl, like, want to slow up on some stuff and he's the one that like pumped the brakes and was out of there mm-hmm. but a lot of people forget that story you know so the, the 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 signs were there we just weren't paying attention well Whitney was you know America's sweetheart you know right. she she had charmed those people mm-hmm. and we knew Whitney was ghetto I was <laughs> Oh. At the time, um, I, for a time, I, I, I did a stint at Black Enterprise Magazine as an intern. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the women I worked for was from Newark. And she oh. knew she knew Whitney and she knew she was about that same age. You know, we were all like super duper young at the time. And she mm-hmm. would tell us Whitney Houston stories about just, you know, sis. Sissy was gangster. Like they were all gangster. They were some gospel gangster chicks. So Bobby See, I got I never a, heard that Sissy was gangster. I mean, she was just gangster in the way that your gangster gospel grandmother would be you right, know, drinking right. for drinking brown liquor and daring you to look funny okay, to people. Gotcha. And so, being in the music industry and yeah, you know, having so to navigate that. I mean, look. That breeds that breeds you know, what how do you think all those people that we knew even growing up had churchified grandmothers and were 
crack crack addicts on the side. Like that's a hard life. That's very so, true. Interestingly, you know, so but everybody tried to make Bobby the bad guy. And I think and I think Bob, you know, I think like all of them, you know, you know what it was like to be young men. People weren't hard. Like, you know, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? They were like young guys. They were just yeah. young, nice guys. Like, you know, yeah. that just wore a lot of cologne and had a jerry curl. Right. It I'm just sweet. I'm just glad all of them have gotten to a place where they can do stuff together. Again. Right. So. And it's funny because well, you probably talk about this today, but I don't know if I've seen the new edition movie about a thousand times. Um, but Wood Harris is in it, and yes. Wood mm-hmm. Harris is you know, it's, it's all we're all connected in the 90s. It is, it is. Um, uh, before we go to that magical uh decade of the 90s, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to first stop and play that game show that's sweeping the nation. Yes, that would be six degrees of Derville Martin. Six degrees of Derville Martin. Is it time? It is time. Is it time? It is time. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, Elizabeth. Um, Derville Martin is a noted character actor from the black exploitation uh, era, it seemed to have been in every other exploitation film dating from the 1970 all the way up to through I think his last film may have been around 80, 81 something mm-hmm. like that um, so but yet as a character actor he found a way to touch all of Hollywood so not just your Fred Williamson's and your Pam Greer no he has actually shared the screen with your Sidney Poitiers and you're Catherine Hepburn's and Spencer Tracy's. So in in Dolomites. I should be Googling this man. Let's not <laughs> slow down. Slow down. I've never slow seen down. him before. I'm learning something. <gasps> you, you, mean, you, have, you have seen him. You just don't remember you saw him. Yeah, okay, you okay, okay. Him. yeah you've seen him. You've seen him. Um uh he was he was famously and accurately portrayed by Wesley Snipes in the Dolomite, My Name is Dolomite movie. Yeah. Oh, on Netflix. okay. okay. Um, crazy. So anyway, so we have a game show, Six Degrees of Derville Martin, where Vincent mm-hmm. will endeavor to get from Derville Martin to another actor using only films and hopefully six films or less. And Lynn picks the person. I pick the person. So now it's a bit of a challenge. It, it, it is, and hopefully this will prove to be a challenge because you've been getting them in like two moves lately. Okay, I find that highly annoying. All right, and um, it doesn't stretch the show like I need. So, <laughs> and feel free to play along if you would like, Elizabeth. Vincent, yes, I need you in six movies or less. Get from Derville Martin. Derville Martin, six moves or less to John Wayne. John Wayne, yes, yes, okay. Derville Martin mm-hmm. is in Dolomite with Rudy Ray Moore. With Rudy Ray Moore, yes, he is. Rudy Ray Moore mm-hmm. is in. Five on the black hand side with Yafet Koto. Yeah, uh, yes, I don't like how this is going. Yafet Koto <laughs> is in Truck Turner. Yes. With Scatman Crothers. 
Okay. Scatman Crothers is in, and now I am going to need you to to go ahead and tip it into the um into the basket. John Wayne's movie around nineteen seventy something. It's like uh, it might be a last name of a detective. Oh, um, McHugh. Pretty sure Scatman Crothers is in McHugh. All right, let's 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 check the tape. Let's check the tape here for McHugh, starring John Wayne and Eddie Albert. Um, also starring in that film is one David Huddleston, uh, Richard Kelton, William Bryant. Uh, there is a black face in McHugh. It's not Scatman Crothers. It is not Scatman. Who Crothers. is it? It would be the star of Lead Belly, Roger E. Mosley. I just watched that. Scatman Crothers is in something with him. What's the movie before that? In the, in the movie before um, McHugh, right? Because I actually that would be uh, Cahill, U- United States Marshals, which is a John Wayne movie I never heard of. But he's in, that, he's in that movie. That's from 1973. Let's see. Maybe you're thinking of Brannigan. Brannigan's from 1975. That's another movie where John Wayne plays a a a a, a hard detective. Arr. Let's see if uh, Scatman Crothers is in Brannigan. No, you know what he's in. I'm sorry. I said he wasn't in a cowboy movie, and he wasn't a cowboy movie with John Wayne. He was in The Shooters. See, I thought you were going to say the shooters. Yeah, he was in the shooters. But you said, you know, detective. Okay. So, Derville Martin is in Dolomite. How did you know with Rudy Ray Moore was in the shooters? Because that's one of the exercises I've been doing. (laughs) Like, John Wayne was actually one of my exercises. I don't believe this. Yeah. I don't believe this. I don't believe you got John Wayne. Yeah. From Scatman Crubbins. From Scatman. And and let me see. So, what, what do we do? What was it? So it's it's Rudy Ray Moore, Yafet Koto, Scatman Crothers. Three moves. Boom. Well, I got another one. All right. Anyway, get from get to uh, from Dervo Martin. Dervo Martin. Six moves or less to Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Yeah. Show me something now. Okay. (laughs) Fighting words. Fighting words. Now, Jeff Bridges. Yes, the big Lebowski himself. Oh, I mean, damn, Lynn, you just gave it to me. Ah, I knew it. It came out my mouth. I mean, mean, John Turturro, John Goodman. Like, you get to him through both of them. All right, uh, let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, damn it. Let's see. I know exactly how you're going to... Ah, I hate this. <laughs> Let's get to our review. Let it, can, I mean, can I do it? Can we just yeah, go ahead? All right. Go ahead. Durville Martin is, of course, in Five on the Black Hands Out with Dick Anthony Williams. You don't say. He is. Dick Anthony Williams is in Mo Better Blues mm-hmm. with John Turturro. Mm-hmm. John, remember Mo and Joe? The, that's right. That's right. John Turturro is, of course, in The Big Lebowski with Jeff Bridges. I knew the second I said Big Lebowski, I said, I gave Mm -hmm. it up. I gave it up. Okay, if I hadn't said Big Lebowski. If I hadn't, if you hadn't said The Big Lebowski, here's the thing. 
I blanked immediately on what Jeff Bridges was. So Jeff Bridges, was that him in Starman? Yes. And uh, who's uh, the actress in Starman? That's a good question. I think that's, um, oh boy, I, I, I'm going to be wrong. Let me look it up. Oh, Starman film. Uh, Karen Allen. Okay. Who is from what movie? She most famously known. For. Oh, uh, Razor of the Lost Ark. There you go. Okay, here you go. This will be a more interesting journey. Derville Martin is in Five on the Black Hand Side with Leonard Jackson. Okay. Leonard Jackson is in Boomerang with um, Eddie Murphy. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy is in um 48 hours with um McNulty? No, that not 48 hours, I'm sorry. Trading places. Dan Aykroyd. But more importantly, the dude who plays the butler. Oh, oh, Denim Elliott. Denim, Denim Elliott, Elliott yeah. who's in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Karen Allen. Karen Allen, who's in Starman with Jeff Bridges. So there you go. That's five moves. So I took a little walk. Yeah. And I used a lot of white people. <laughs> I was waiting for John Wayne now. Yeah, I see. I was waiting for John Wayne. I see. I see. I'm telling you, I'm gonna have to, <laughs> have to go back to the silent era. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh so that's the game, Elizabeth. <laughs> yeah, that's the game. <laughs> Yahoo. I, have to, I have to tell you guys, you guys are really good. Like the way that you just spit this stuff out, I'm like. <laughs> like that's that's y'all smart or we just watch a lot of movies a lot of movies we should have a movie podcast well i was interesting that you talked about lead belly because i actually just saw that and i was like that's the really? for magnum pi and it was mm-hmm. on some random station and mm-hmm. i was watching lead belly and then you know now i don't know how we watch movies without imdb and google but you know you just like go down the you know, I've mm-hmm. read all about Led. I didn't know anything about him, and it was just kind of, kind of fascinating to like watch the movie and see how it unfolds and see the story. So, yeah, because you only learn a little bit about him from the movie. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, of it is, um, it was problematic. Um, well, look, <laughs> but did you know it had shades of life in it? Like there were shades of the movie Life in there. Toward oh, the end, right, right, right. Absolutely. I was like, I don't. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. no. In the end, you know, where he's in jail for like a long time and he gets, you know, I was like, oh, like everything's kind of, it's one of those everything's kind of connected moments that you didn't think you were going to find and you kind of do. That's an interesting connection. Who directed Life? Oh, that's a good You know off the top of your head? Not off the top of my head. I do, I do not. Um, I will endeavor and look it up real quick. Because it may not be that far-fetched to think that the people... No, it's not the same person. No, I know it's not the same person, but maybe they saw Lead Belly. No. Because there is that aspect of Lead Belly where there's life in a prison. And then leaving, like, the the deal with the guards and, her, you know, making a deal. Mm -hmm. Like, the pardon, I think Lead Belly was pardoned and those guys were pardoned in life, but... Of course, in life they shot him, but you know there was old age. It was just it was like shades of it. That's why that's I wasn't right. Like, the governor was supposed to pardon him in life. Yeah, was he the governor or was he the um the warden? I think he, 
in life. In, 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 in the go- it was the governor because he was, was in the house. In, in lead belly, but in in life, oh, yeah, I was life. wondering, was it the warden or the yeah? Uh, the life was directed by Ted Demi. And I wonder who do you, do you have the screenplay up in front of you? Who wrote it? Yeah, Rod, Robert Ramsey and Matthew Stone. Huh. I I very seriously doubt they were pulling from Lead Belly. Look, it's Gordon Parks. You you know you can't argue with the pedigree. Yeah, it's Gordon Parks, but come on. We reviewed that film. You can't argue with the. You, all you I would said not is, know it was Gordon Parks, for, except for maybe three three scenes. In no, no, no. I'm saying Gordon Parks gets you in the door. Okay. And you know, uh, no, they. It was random. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Or maybe they pulled from Lead Belly's actual life, because that did actually happen to Lead Belly. This so, is a more interesting conversation than the film Lead Belly, though. This is a like, This is actually more interesting than Lead Belly. A lot more interesting. Yeah. Though. Anything that happens in Lead Belly, you are absolutely correct. Absolutely correct, my friend. Uh, let's All right. Um, your brother, Damon Williams, says at this point, Len, he's calling his shots like that old Jordan and Bird. <laughs> I got to bring in some foreign films. At two, Damon. At two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I think we have to go to like some, like some French noir to, to, to stump you. You know I can get Gerard Depardieu. There are other French people besides Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, but once you get to Gerard Depardieu, you, you can, can get to the rest. Yeah, of the you probably bounce around. True. That's very true. Quietly, what's my man's name in Leon, the professional? It is Jean Re- Jean Reno. Yeah, Jean Reno. Well, yeah, you know between Jean Reno and Gerard Depardieu, I'm bouncing around France. I can bounce around France. Yeah, well, you won't know the rest of the. I place. can bounce around France. Yeah, yeah. All, right, all right, all right, all right. I can get the Chow Yum Fat, and um, so Jet Li, Jet Li, and Jackie Chan. Well, we could all get to Jackie Chan. I'm just saying that covers Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Again, I've been thinking about this. Uh, yeah. Apparently. Yeah. All right. I'm telling you, we're changing this. All right. <laughs> After 300, we're picking another After actor. picking another dude, all right. We're picking a whole other actor. <laughs> care. Getting on my nerves. Anyway, are you ready to review the movie? I am ready. Are you ready, Elizabeth? Ready. Are you, are you ready to go above the rim? Thumbs up. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Above the Rim, 
co-written and directed by Jeff Pollock in his directorial debut, featuring screenplay by Barry Michael Cooper, adapted from a story by Benny Medina. This film stars one Dwayne Martin, Tupac Shakur, Leon, Marlon Wayans, Wood Harris, and Tanya Pinkton. It revolves around the story of a promising New York City high school basketball star and his relationships with a drug dealer, as well as a former basketball star now employed as a security guard at the high school where he attends. The film was shot mostly in Harlem in 1993, released in theaters in 1994, featuring a soundtrack that is stuffed with the best of West Coast hip-hop of the day. And this was the selection of our guest, Elizabeth Wellington, here on the road to 300 on the Michelle Mission. Elizabeth, what say you of Above the Rim? Um, I thought it, I thought it was, I didn't remember any. I saw, I know I went to see this in the movie theater. And I still remember mm -hmm. the guy that I went to see it in the movie theater with, but I had no uh -huh. recollection of the actual movie. So it was like seeing it again. Um, and so I wish I could remember what my 1994, 20, 21 year old self would have thought about it. But um, I probably, at the time, I thought Dwayne Martin was cute or something like that. I don't remember. But okay. it was, <laughs> but, it, but I liked it. Um, and I, I liked it for the, um, like I said, if I remembered what I thought of it when I first seen it, I could like compare and contrast, but um, my 40 something year old self um, <laughs> liked, <laughs> excuse me, liked, felt like I was reminiscing because I was seeing all these people um, as they are now. Like back then I didn't know who Wood Harris was, right? Like, right. you know, this we didn't like know, we didn't. First, first movie. movie, so we didn't know he was going to go on to be Avon Barksdale and in Six Degrees of New Edition be the mm -hmm. guy who played Brooke Payne in the New Edition movie mm -hmm. or in other random things. Um, we didn't know, you know, we knew Marlon Wayans because he was sort of a, a dude at the time. Um, we and, and Dwayne Martin because he was kind of like, you know, I think it was kind of that era where uh, it wasn't, we weren't quite at the era where we were seeing romance, but we were seeing like, you know, basically Tupac was the same guy he was in Juice, right? Like right. he was the same basic character. Mm -hmm. um, and Leon um, was brooding and Leon. I watched it with my mom and she was like, Tanya Pickens, she's in my soap opera. And I was like, I couldn't, you know, she was in <laughs> her soap opera. She just kept, that girl was in my soap opera. And look at her hair and nobody had weaves. Um, so it was, it was a... <laughs> So it was a very sort of walk down memory lane, but it, it was a good story. You know, it was, um, it was definitely was New York in the nine in the nineties. I was, mm -hmm. I was there. I definitely remember seeing it, but it was, um, curious that the whole soundtrack was West Coast that we talked about, mm -hmm. um, later. <laughs> the other thing, which was funny, it was like, come on, Dwayne Martin. There was no way you could be 17. You were like 28 when you filmed that movie. <laughs> um, and you look 28. It's kind of like a receding hairline. Yeah, you're just like, you're 28. Are you kidding me? Um, and then, yeah. um, but he looks he the same now. So he didn't age that much, um, which is, you know, just to the side. Um, he, was anyway. actually, he was actually only three years younger than the actress playing his mother. 
Yeah, right? Tony Pickens. So he was he was clearly like an old 17 year old. Um, but it, you know, it had all the things like, you know, somebody getting shot at the end, um, mm. you know, uh, you know, the guy that got played, you know, Marlon Wayne's character came back and snuffed, you know, so it had all it had all the elements, a good soundtrack mm-hmm. of a good nineties, you know, basketball flick. And I liked it because you could I could see shades of love and basketball in it, which I didn't think, you know, the hothead player, um, you know, waiting to get into college. You know, they flipped mm-hmm. it and made it uh, what's her name's character, but um, Sanaya's character. But, you know, it was good. I, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I picked it. And it was good to see it because I hadn't, you know, seen it in its entirety in a, in a long time. So it's funny that I your mom, it. It's funny that your mom pointed out Tanya Pinkton's hair because that's the first thing that I kind of like noticed that, you know, it's like, oh, that's her hair. It mm-hmm. like, right, and it looked right. nice. Yeah, yeah. And there was another girl who had these big door knocker earrings in the end and she drove up with Tupac in the, yeah. in the gate, yeah. in, you know, in, in the Jeep, um, which that was cool, cool too because everybody back then was driving those Wrangler Jeeps, everybody, yes. you know. And I was looking at her hair and I was like, man, I had that hair. Like it was, you know, the, the same bob mm-hmm. and the big earrings. So it's that those kind of movies are so much fun to watch now because you really can see where you were and where you are now. And then I got a little reminiscent of Tupac and, you know, like where he would have been if he was still with us and, you know. Right, right. And I kept waiting for him to say Patna and he didn't say it because <laughs> we were in New York and not in not um, the West Coast. But, you know, every time he says something like he wanted to fight somebody, I knew he was going to be like Patna and he like, he didn't say it. And I was like, he was holding, I know he was holding back. Um, That's in deleted scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the extended partner edition. Yeah, you know, you know, Tupac. Um, right. But anyway, right. it was. I I enjoyed. It was. It was a. It was a nice way to spend a, a, a slightly rainy uh, Tuesday on deadline afternoon. So. Mm, most definitely, a devil uh, battle. Thank you. Saying that Tanya was on all my children. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm okay. So mm-hmm. a lot were, um, were. She's on my mom's. Mm-hmm feeling her mm-hmm. in the role in the in, in her performance here in above the rim um how'd you like re- revisiting this film well how did you like it i always go second how did you like it i'm curious i'm curious to hear your view of this film before i give my view well here's what i'll say about above the rim okay all right Dwayne martin first of all uh, I was I I was not aware uh, until watching this film and then doing a little bit of research that Dwayne Martin was actually a very good basketball player. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Um, so because I was looking at this movie because anytime I watch a movie that's like about sports, there's a part of me that's always looking for the edit. About say in the stunt double, right? Right. You know, right. Cueing the stunt doubles, you know, stunt doubles hand, mm-hmm. you know, taking a, you know, cut to the shot. Um, but this would definitely Dwayne Martin getting it, putting in work. So I appreciated that. Do as well as Leon. I was about to was, say Leon. Now he looked like your daddy, but he was <laughs> in his corduroy khakis. But he was putting work on the court, so it, it, so that was cool. Like the basketball scenes in this in this movie definitely feel very authentic, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Dwayne Martin, Tupac, 
uh, Wood Harris, some of the other uh, characters, even Tanya Pinkton, they're all in a hood movie. Mm-hmm. They're in a hood film, which was the talk of the town at this at this time in Hollywood, you know, coming off of Boys in the Hood and then and, and, and everybody, they wanted a hood movie and Tupac was the talk of the town because of Juice. Mm-hmm. So everybody wanted to try to... Like, Two years prior to this. Yeah. yeah. So everybody wanted mm-hmm. to make their, make their hood hip-hop film. You know what I mean? And all of these actors are in a hood hip-hop film. Leon, however is in a totally different film, <laughs> all of his own making and design. <laughs> I don't know what this man is doing in this movie. First of all, Leon is a very attractive black man, mm-hmm. right? And somewhere along the way, Everybody has told Leon that he is an attractive black man, and Leon, God bless him, relieves it. Mm-hmm. So much so that he is going to make sure that every moment he's on screen, he is basically telling you, you know, I'm a good looking black man. <laughs> <laughs> because he is giving you nothing but, you know, um, uh, uh, what? What's my man? I was about to say. I'm, I'm, I'm reading all these Ben Stiller <laughs> interviews because of his new show on um Apple TV. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's he's giving you the blue steel. He's giving you blue steel. He's giving you blue steel no, from from Zoolander. Yeah, is. from Zoolander. He's giving yeah. And yeah. No he's giving you the blue is. steel. He is blue stealing the whole movie, and like he's and he's giving you the slow bop. I was gonna say, hey, 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 Lynn. What's he look like when he's drinking coffee? Blue steel. <laughs> What's he look like when he's uh security at the school? Blue steel. <laughs> What's he looking like when he's on a date to go see Shaft? Blue steel. It's <laughs> <laughs> not but blue steel. I'm like, yo, dog. Dog, like he's on a date. <laughs> he's on a date trying to like chop it up with this chick and he's blue stealing. I'm like, dude, you can laugh. You can smile, man. You can smile. You know, good looking black men smile, bruh. I like when he went to go visit his mother at the graveyard. Yeah. He changed into his black graveyard attire so that he could be at his mother's grave, giving his mother's grave blue steel. Yes. I'm like, dog. And, and plus, and I, never mind, like, you know, I'm not even going to go to the timeline that he said he came here to bury his mom. His mom's already, like, there's grass growing on the grave. Like, you didn't yeah. come to bury her. I noticed that. I noticed that. I noticed that. I noticed that. But I did love his mustard trench coat that he wore to the basketball court that mm-hmm. he had to take off and put the the thing on. You know, he had to put a jersey on. And he was blue steel in the in the, in the trench right, coat. Right, 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 right. He was blue steel when he was balling. I was going to say, during the game. Like, I think that's why Wood Harris kept checking him uh-huh. on his chest. Right. Like, take that blue steel off the yeah, court. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Like, come on. I'm like, so so that was taking me out of this film. Like, that, that was my <laughs> that was my biggest takeaway from this, from this freaking movie. Then, the other thing, like you mentioned, uh Elizabeth, the the West Coast music, which 
I'm sorry. Sounds like like Dr. J. Dr. Dr. Dre, Dre. I guess it sounds like his throwaway beats. It was all Dr. Dre and Snoop stuff that you didn't even hear. And it didn't make sense in Harlem. It didn't make sense. You wanted to hear, you wanted to hear Rakim. There was no reason why we should have been hearing. I mean, at the end, I understand. Okay, fine. You want to hear Warren G. That's cool. But the whole thing, it just threw you off. Because for a while, I thought I was in Chicago. Like, it took me a minute to figure out where I was until I saw her. And I was like, oh, they're up. And my mom, she was having a fit. She was like, where are they? Where the buses? I got the buses on too. (laughs) You know? um, And so I thought they were in Chicago until I saw the actual... um, the, the the park or something yeah. and then i was like okay they're in new york but it took a minute because it abused them yeah and, and and okay maybe west coast hip-hop can fit in a hood film but then the beats gotta at least be adding something these beats are doing nothing for for this movie it's mm-hmm. it, it, so so it just took me out of the film it didn't make sense it didn't make any sense and then the film like this is Jeff Pollock's directorial de- yeah. debut. There's not much of him on IMDb. I don't think he does much directing after this, and it shows why because there's like this movie is badly edited. It is badly directed. You know, Bernie Mac shows up as a uh, 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 basically like a homeless or mm-hmm. the guy who maybe has a past right with Leon's character. Right. You, you're left to believe They can't take that. away what we were. Yeah, they, they can't erase us. They can't erase us. You're like, but you don't really, you don't you, learn You never anything. actually learn what the backstory is. Because it's all trapped behind blue steel for yeah, the rest of the film. Yeah, yeah. Then Bernie <laughs> Mac's character gets sliced up with a knife with, with a blade by Tupac, and you don't see him for the rest of the film. Well, he's dead. He's dead. But you don't even see, like, you don't even see what happened. Like, come on, dog. Like, they don't show the body. Yeah. Well, for me, it doesn't make sense because they don't, like, okay, Tupac was gangster. I get Tupac is gangster, but there was no reason for him to kill that man. Like, that's that's the part that makes, that's the part that makes no sense. You're just like, well, why do you, I mean, I know he's gangster, but why would you just roll up and, like, why would you wake him up? The man was sleeping. He yes. went over to wake him up and he killed him. He didn't, he never said any, all he said was that's Tom's brother or Tim, you know, Blue Steel's brother. Let's right, just, right. Cause let's yeah. just call him Blue Steel. Call him what he, he is. That's just, just, that's just Blue Steel's brother. So even the hardest criminal isn't going to just slice you up for that. I mean, it just makes, it, the, his death didn't make sense. I, I, I think that aspect of the film disappointed me the most considering the pedigree behind this is Barry Michael Cooper's second screenplay and Barry Mm -hmm. Michael Cooper is most famous for writing the screenplay for New Jack City right they talk about this being the second part of his unofficial Harlem trilogy Mm -hmm. the third one being Sugar Hill right which I think is a very underrated movie crime drama yeah but for a, a a screenwriter with a journalistic background, because he, he was a journalist, when you look at how he talks about organized crime or, or you know drug dealers in New Jack City, and like the attention to detail mm-hmm. about just the logistics of building a drug empire mm-hmm. years before the wire, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if I remember correctly, he deals with the logistics of that a bit in Sugar Hill as well. Yes, he does. He does. 
I never quite understand Tupac's character, Birdie, his approach to being a drug dealer. Like, I, I like, yeah. like, I don't like. I don't know if Wood Harris is his enforcer. Wood Harris is also a basketball player. Yeah. yeah. Wood Harris is his lieutenant. You never actually see him do. Like, does he own this club that they walk up? That into? they walk up in? Yeah. Like, and I don't call it his own club too. So you right. do get the sense. But how could he really own a club when he's really supposed to be right. twenty-one? Like, like this whole deal with him in the basketball team. Like we've seen this beat before, mm-hmm. where the local drug dealer sponsors a basketball team. Yeah. Yeah. Usually there's a bet involved, or or there's something. Like I just couldn't get a sense of what Birdie's deal was no no he's a gangster because the movie says he's a gangster and i think that's something that extends through almost every aspect of this film like we talked about leon's character um shep who has come back into town after he witnessed his his friend's tragic death at some point in the past in one of the most unintentionally hilarious scenes ever In the beginning of the movie, because in the beginning of the movie, they are playing one-on-one basketball with one another, and as like in 1970, across the street from Cooley High, apparently. Right, but as I'm watching a film before I before before they make it plain, I'm saying, are they playing basketball on a roof? Yeah. Why are they playing basketball on a roof? Right, right. What is happening here? But where has Shep been? Like, like, like at one point, uh, Bertie, who is Shep's little brother, plot twist, we learn, says that me and mama were starving and wrapped up in blankets. And, and I was like, you know, you didn't go to the pros and you didn't go to college. And now you're back in town, but you never get a sense of where Shep was. And then at one point he's going to leave. And I was like, well, where are you going? Right, right. The whole Plot point of Dwayne Martin's character, Colin, he's going to go and he's being scouted. Mm -hmm. But it's never really like you never really know what aspect of this film is supposed to be the main plot point. No. With the other plots being the subplots. It's like it's a film filled with subplots Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with no actual plot serving as the through line. And I think the difference here is because this is uh, Cooper adapting a story from Benny Medina. Mm. And it's almost as if, because, and this is what I think happened, is that he basically took this bare bones story from Benny Medina and said, and did put, put a, a, a script to it mm-hmm. as opposed to tightening up the story. And because, and even when you read a little bit of uh, the backstory about the film, it, and Cooper, he kind of like massages a little bit because he ain't, you know, want you know, like piss nobody off or anything like that. But he kind of like says, like, you know, I kind of gave it like a first pass script wise. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, they were ready to shoot. Right. You know what I mean? So it was like, it, it, I don't think they came to him more for his name and the cachet that his name would bring to them to get this film made as opposed to you know, taking advantage of the meticulousness that he would bring to such, because like you said, the bones are there, right. To, to really have something. And you've got, 
the the actors you know i'm not i'm not the biggest fan of Dwayne martin as a as an actor but he's fine enough yeah, and he's really young in this yeah and he's in, well, well he's he's young in his career there you go yeah there you go That's yeah this is er, this is fairly early in his career yeah but say what you want about you know blue steel leon is a charismatic man that if 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 properly directed and maybe with more of the go on with a script more the sink his teeth into you could see him maybe pulling out something something here and you know what can you say about tupac tupac is just an enigma waiting to just explode and i would and actually I say, say i would say that tupac actually stole the movie and you know when he stole the movie in the end in the very end when they were having that basketball tournament and he was losing mm-hmm. and he was just he just acted a fool on the um on he was on when he was on the on the sidelines and i thought that he really stole the movie he was like man i mean it was so tupac like it was kind of like his it was just it was it was comedy it was interesting his reaction you know when the guys started cheating um when wood harris's character you know got knocked got knocked over by leon he was like come on i mean it was just really he kind of stole the movie um in in that in that space because you just you know you wanted to see how he was gonna react and it was just you know it was kind of and it was comedy but you were still scared at the same time because you knew that a gun was because you know that's another thing about these 90s movies you know a gun is gonna appear at some point yeah like you know somebody's gonna shoot in the crowd you know but even that that doesn't make sense Thank you. like why are you gonna murder him on the court right after mm-hmm. the, the game well, is over with all these witnesses what kind of drug lord are you? Well, he's he, he but it's kind of like it. It didn't. It kind of didn't make sense. But that was kind of the character. Like if you remember Juice, like the the thing with Tupac at the time, he always played these impulsive, um, testosterone driven. Like Juice, he was the same way. I mean, he threw. He basically chased the guy through a party. You know, and yeah, but, 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 but he's makes, always it makes sense, but he's always this testosterone driven character who will who is always ready to flex in public. So it does I mean it's stupid, but it follows that train. But that's who he was at that time. But that defense makes sense if it's Tupac mad at you mad at Shep, his brother, for stealing his joy, stealing the game, or still mad at Kyle for re, uh, that's what we tried him. to shoot. Okay, but it makes sense if he's the, the, the trigger man. Right. No, he gives the world's largest duffel bag to Wood Harris to pull out this tiny, tiny <laughs> Right. <laughs> and, and I have to say, Tupac in, in Juice the film does the work of yeah. building yeah, this, this this really like you're saying testosterone but in my mind he's really broken mm-hmm. in juice like he's really just sort of you know everybody beats him up like he says in the movie we, we actually juice is fresh on our minds we did juice fairly recently yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, he spends the whole time running he's got this this very broken home life with his father so that when he starts losing it the film has done the work and earned the right to get you there. Yes. Yeah. Whereas with this, yeah, the film never actually like every time you like like I, I talked about that moment when he talks to uh Birdie, I mean talks to 
to Shep about being alone with his mother and, and being hungry. And you think, okay, now we're going to build something, but then it's the next scene and we're doing something else. And yeah, you know, and Marlon Wayans is talking about Dwayne. Marlon Wayans was ridiculous. I mean, that his character was, yeah. yeah, his but his character to me was like the most annoying because he got he's talking about all the stuff he's actually rude and I think they do a good job at showing how much of a, how much of a jerk he was and how much of a jerk kind of Dwayne Martin's character was mm-hmm. in the beginning but I think to your point Vincent um you never learn like first I mean I guess he has no reason to be a jerk except that he's like a seventeen year old guy but that's not even right. you know. Like, but you never, I, I don't feel like the turning point was, yeah. the the turning point wasn't strong enough because, you know, okay, the, we don't even know why Birdie killed this guy, but now everybody's, that's how he realizes that Birdie's a bad guy and he yeah, doesn't right. want to work with him and he wants to change his life. And yeah. I just want to backtrack a little bit because I wasn't saying it was, you know, test, I mean, Tupac is just always that character and I guess testosterone relating wasn't the right word, but not, he's this, the guy who kind of comes out and is publicly you know, kind of playing like he he mm-hmm. publicly he publicly hits his mark all the time, um, mm-hmm. but whatever he's driven at. And so that that was just finding the similarities between the characters. But you're right, the writing in this movie wasn't good enough, like to it, to convince us that this guy was. Um, yeah, it's just, it, and I everything in this movie was like you said, Vince. It, Performative? Exactly. Performative. That's the word. Because even the relationship between Shep and Kyle's mom. I was going to bring that up. I thought I missed a part. Right? Yeah, I thought I missed a part. So I was like, how did they go? How did they go from being in the school? Right. Basically saying like, excuse me, to like being in the diner to like, can I join you? To like, and, and then also didn't make sense. Now they're and it didn't make sense why she was so mad at him because if I remember correctly, Kyle is the one that pushed him. He was kind of stunned. He didn't like go come back and hit the girl, the woman's child. You know what I mean? He could have basically right. went and choked him out after he just like jumped on him and said, stay away from my mom. He was just kind of stunned. So what was, what was he supposed to do? And then she closed the door and they had this whole big emotional, like, you're not here for me. And I was like, what? Well, I mean, in her, in, in her defense in that part, because what happens is that, you know, Kyle, like, is pushing up against Shep and, like, you don't be with my mom and everything like that. And Shep is standing there, you know, you know, trying to reset Blue Steel. And <laughs> then what he does is he basically dips out. Like, he doesn't stay. He doesn't stay there. And in her, in, in what little she has already learned about him, that was evidence of that he's a runner. Right. And she didn't want another runner. She wasn't going to waste her time with somebody that was just going to run away. Because to be honest, like you said, he he's not in the wrong. So why are you leaving? Right. You know? Because he was kind of, st- I mean, and this is, and maybe I'm he's just a grown the- ass man. He's, he's stunned. And his terrible secret okay. is that it- you have a criminal, you have a criminal relative. Yeah. But if you're brought, if you, if you, if a, if a, if a guy is dating okay, or seeing or dating a woman and, and, and the son just all of a sudden goes off and starts punching him, like I, like what, what, 
several reactions can happen. And he didn't hit him. He didn't, he just kind of backed away. And sometimes I think backing away doesn't mean you're a runner. It just means you need a minute. I think, I mean, just in his defense, like if that was, because when people come at you, you got one of two options. You can hit him back, you can throw him against a wall, or you can kind of walk away. And in this case, he decided to kind of walk away. Now, if he came back, he didn't say, oh, he didn't bounce and then leave. He was like, okay, let me just get out of the situation and then go back and explain what was going on. I mean, I think that's a fair response. No, 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 no. And I'm I'm talking as a brother. Now, I hear you on like, you know, you maybe you, you walk away because you don't want to escalate the situation or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you come back later. But Bull turned around with his blue steel in between his legs and walked and walked out. There's there's a difference. There's a difference between like you know I ain't got time for this. I'm you know I'm I'm rolled out. But he was just like. I also get the sense that the film wanted you to fill in the blanks. That she either learned about what happened with him when he was younger or, or remember there was, there was that whole really awkward exchange at the movies where he said, you know, haven't you ever just wanted to run away and go somewhere else? And, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, she kind of put two and two together, but part of the equation is something we didn't see. No. no. And then leaps to mm-hmm. you're a runner. I don't need that in my life. I need somebody that stays around. And, he shows that he's going to stay around because he comes back at the end and plays basketball with him at the shootout, as opposed to being the coach on the team, which they spent 15 minutes building up. Yes. That he's going to be a basketball coach now. Right. Well, I thought that he was going to be the coach. Like after, like when you see him at the bar afterwards, you kind of learn. Cause I mean, I don't think he meant, and that's another thing. The fact that he actually played in the shoot around was another one of those things. It was like, how did he know to show up? Like, did, did he have a jacket? How was he supposed to be on the roster? Like it was all this random stuff that, that, yeah. that, that they, they didn't connect the dots for. Um, and yet, you and I'm not offended like by runners. Movie. I'm a runner. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're a runner. I understand. Sometimes you just gotta run. We'll go ahead. <laughs> <I'm> a team <laughs> runner. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is true. You know, you you do have to know when to hold. When to fold up. You also need to know when to fold up. Mm. And come and come back. Is you know when to walk away. And know when to run. And know when to run. You shouldn't count your money while you're sitting there. <laughs> Because there's, there's time enough for counting when the dealing when the dealing is done. I mean, I mean, these yeah. are these are words to live by. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's what the brother was doing, right? And yet, you what? Despite your critique, you say, and I think Vince has said as well that you like this. Oh, movie. I didn't say that. No, you didn't. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. I mean, I didn't dis- You know, it's hard to say. It's not like I didn't dislike it. I didn't like it. I mean, it was pleasant. Like it was like I watched it. I finished it. <laughs> It was pleasant. It wasn't like, oh, that was the best. Like, you know, it wasn't like loving basketball. Like, I love loving basketball. It's my favorite movie. You know, it was just like, I see why I didn't see it again. But I, I wasn't like, oh, that was terrible. It was just, you know, it was a pleasant. I think that is. Flick. I think that is a great review. I actually think the first thing that you said captured what what my thoughts are on this film. Where you said, I know I've seen this film. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. going to see this film. Mm-hmm. I didn't remember anything about this film. Mm-hmm. So it was good to seeing it again. It was like seeing it for the first time, and I think Above the Rim is one of these films 
I'm gonna go ahead and start some old stuff. Like we've we've we we've we've been we've been around long enough that this has died down, and now I'm gonna stir it back up. Above the rim is like the nice and smooth of these '90s films. Oh yes, like yes, like a, yes. like above the rim was there. So you give it credit because it was there. There, but people have fond Fond feelings. Four above the rim. Mm-hmm. They can't actually point to anything about above the rim itself that they have fond memories of. And when you press them, they admit that everything around above the rim, like everything that we've named, New Jack City, Love and Basketball, Juice. Sugar Hill, Juice, everything around above the rim was better than above the rim. Can I say one other random thing? So after I saw the movie Above the Rim, I, you know, because I'm home with my mom, so I took my mom grocery shopping. So I'm coming down Linden Boulevard, of all boulevards, you'll understand this. I'm coming down Linden Boulevard, because I'm not far from there, and Tribe comes on, mm. and electric, electric Relaxation comes on, and then he's like, and I'm above the rim, and this is how I ball. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I was making, because it's one of those things where all the connections. Mm-hmm. And I totally, as, as much as I've listened to that record, I have listened to Tribe. I listen to that record all the time. And, for you know, I know above, you know, I know you I can got the sing it back and yeah. forth. But it was just the fact that they were referencing that movie. And, you know, so it was one of those 90s things where it's all these things that we like about it. Although mm-hmm. I might have to argue about Nice and Smooth, because I can, I can sing oh, a lot okay. of Nice and Smooth songs. I know you can. Yeah, I yeah, can. Yeah. I, remember nice and smooth pretty well i mean we all but, do. But, but, they but, were I there. Do, but i do get that whole yeah but if press i can i can break out lyrics but the, it's it's that same feeling though that it's like they were there kind of like um even grand pooba you know um, okay okay, okay. Uh, slow down whoa whoa grand pooba is a master mc but not, no, but but he was there. Like it yes, was, it's that yes. same feeling of being there. Like you know right. the lyrics. Like he's right, a, he's a right, great right. guy. You know, if it wasn't for Grandpa, half the dudes wouldn't have been wearing Jabot jeans. But yeah. it's, it's a similar, it's a similar feeling that they were like cross colors. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's all that '90s feeling that was we were definitely there. But yeah. but, but there were some people who earned their spot, and then there were some people who were, who were just there. Yeah, like yeah. they were there at the time. Yeah, you ain't slick, bro. They were there. They ain't slick. You ain't slick. Yeah, I'm not going. Like they're you. in the room and they say, "Hey, how many of y'all have uh, songs over Primo beats?" And they raise their hand. I am. And then not, other people are like, "Yeah, I don't have nothing over no Primo beat." You I am win. Not going to sit because you were let there. You compare nice and smooth nice to and above smooth the rim. To above the rim. Now I stand by that. No, 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 no. But no. they would have done better if nice and smooth was in the soundtrack. Yes. Yes, they would. Yes, they would have. God, God knows. Now, what I will say, I get what you're go- going mm-hmm. with your analogy, but I'm not going to let you use above the rim because nice and smooth is better than above the rim. I mean, I were was, they? Shut up, Vince. What now? What nice and what '90s movie around this time that people kind of have fine memories of, but you probably don't 100 remember. But then when you watch it, you be like, okay, this wasn't bad. This was nice. Hey, this is all right. Mm-hmm. It's not above the rim. What is it? It's New Jersey Drive. Oh, but see, I think New Jersey Drive is actually good. And so are nice and smooth. Smart. 
It's nice to be in the middle of this argument. <laughs> now that I've reopened this fatwa. This festering wound. Mm -hmm. <sighs> anyway, so Elizabeth. <laughs> the question is always. <laughs> the question is always, would you recommend that people watch Above the Rim? Yeah, for nostalgia's sake. Definitely. You know, it's, it's a 90s flick. You know, if you're at home, watch East Home on Friday night. It's raining. Netflix. You with your boo, watch it. You'll enjoy it. You'll remember stuff. Would you need to see it again? No. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so to watch it the first time, they yeah. should watch, watch it. The watch it like it's the first time. Mm, mm. What about you, Vincent? <sighs> No, I don't think there's any reason. I, I, look, it's sort of a cheat. It, it's sort of terrible because Tupac just wasn't in that much stuff mm -hmm. before his death. This is his last movie. So you actually, mm -hmm. like, like, this, is, this is actually academic. Like you have to watch it just because you only have what, four Tupac performances in films. Mm -hmm. It's like Gritlock, gang related, Juice. Poetic justice. Poetic justice and this so what five. Mm -hmm. So you know, you only got five movies with Tupac. Yeah. So you gotta watch it. Yeah. I said look, look, here you go. Dwick, you want Dwick, to see what hours. Dwick is not that good as a song. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But it's a primo whoa. beat. Whoa, whoa. It's a wonderful whoa. track. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Dwick. In your heart, in your heart, you know it's true. Dwick. In your heart, you know Dwick is not that good of a song. One of the top, no, the top what? Pop songs of all time. It's no way the top thirty. Electric relaxation off of Low End Theory. No, yeah, that's that's off uh, um Low End Theory. No, Midnight Marauders. That's Midnight Marauders. Every song on Midnight Marauders is better than Dwick. Okay, I said top thirty. It's like fifteen songs on Midnight Marauders. They're not all better than Dwick. No. Every, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, you gotta watch. Yeah, yeah, sure. Watch. Dwick is top thirty. Sure. Dwick is top sure. thirty. Sure. Watch above the rim. Sure. It's got two pockets. <laughs> sure. Sure. See, that's the feeling. Like sure. No. Like, no. Well, I say no. You don't need to watch this. You know there are five. You don't need five, to watch anything. You might just enjoy it. There, no, you won't. There are five Tupac movies. Yes. There are five Tupac movies. Above the rim and gridlock, you can prop up your table with those, and then you can watch the other, other three films. I actually don't remember gridlock either. Nobody remembers gridlock. And I don't um, remember the New Jersey Drive either. Now I'm like, what was in that? I'm trying to remember. New Jersey Drive was good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't need to watch this. Leon, you see, you. you Go watch the Five Heartbeats. Um, go watch the Temptations. I was about to say, actually, that's my movie. He, like he actually acts yeah. in the he Temptations. Yeah, yeah. There's other places to see him. Yeah. You know, people that grew up with Tanya Pinkton on All My Children, they don't even remember. Didn't even know she was an above the rim. Yeah. They had to worry about that. Dwayne Martin, he married Tisha Campbell. That's all you need to know. And and Marlon Wayans. Is better in a lot of other stuff. Yeah, he's much better in a lot of other stuff. A lot of other he stuff. He was actually really good in Aretha. I just saw him in that. And he was I've really, really good in that. He was really yeah, good in that. Good but in he Aretha. plays so like not who he plays. But I mean, if you are <clears throat> if you if 
watch it if you like 90s like for 90s nostalgia it's one of those but it's one of those ones you can watch for that like you know it's so it's so that era i I mean it's not fantastic but it's it's cute for the for the for the the era you know what you know it's just yeah it's just like you know just, you know, it's not like Love Jones, but, you know. <laughs> or The Best Man. Yeah. It's not like that. Basketball. Oh, that's the movie. Um, Blue Girl 718 says Vince is out here slandering Dwick. I said what I said, and I said it with my chest. And, and oh, Toya Haynes says, please tell me you don't believe that. Lemonade is a popular drink. drink. And it still is. And it still is. How can I argue with that? But it's still not better than anything on Midnight Marauders. Nothing. But it's top. Nothing. It's a lot of songs before you get to 30. Like 30 is not a lot of songs. But, but Dwick is there. And maybe it's okay. It's 30, is, 30 is a lot of songs. Is Dwick there primarily because of the beat? Yes. I'm not going to lie. But Wu Tang Clan is a whole clan of, of MCs who all have solo albums. Yeah, but not everybody listens to all those songs. I know, but that's a lot of songs to pull from for you to say it's only 29 songs better than Dwick. There are. Yes. All right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And I'll stand on that mountain. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Elizabeth at two. Paid in full got like 13 songs on it, even if you take away Chinese arithmetic. Sharon Eldridge, you talk about sacrilege. She <laughs> says she liked Above the Rim better than Love, Love Jones. Wow. Oh, wow. That's All a right, lot. Sharon. All right, Sharon. Yes, well, she also said it with her chest. I she like also it. Also said it with her chest. Yeah. Sharon Eldridge. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, like, Love Jones was. That might be for me. <laughs> well, um, there you go, ladies. Hey. Don't listen to Elizabeth. Listen to us. Don't watch Above the Rim, ladies and gentlemen. But if you if you must watch a, 90, a 90s film, go watch Love Jones. All right. Elizabeth, thank you so very much for taking the time to sit with Vincent and I on our road to 300 episodes of the Michelle Mission. As always, it is a pleasure sitting down. Absolutely. Chopping it up with you. And hopefully I get a chance to see you this Thursday at the New Edition concert. N.E. for Life. N.E. for Life. N.E. for Life. If people want to get in touch with you, you you write for the Philadelphia Inquirer here in the city of brotherly love. They want to get in touch with you. How can they? they, uh, You can find me on Twitter, E. Wellington PHL, Instagram, E. Wellington PHL, Facebook, Elizabeth Wellington, LinkedIn, and all that good stuff. Like, I'm totally around. Just throw me in Google. Do you have a voicemail? We have a voicemail. Yeah, we have a voicemail. <laughs> hey, Elizabeth, why don't you and your mom, when we get off the show, why don't you leave us a voicemail? <laughs> Let's show me your voicemail. Call 215-867-9666. Standard rate supply. Tell Vincent and Lynn what's on your mind. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Tell us your favorite episode of the Michelle Mission, your favorite Vincent and Zones, your favorite Rants by Len. Let us know as we make our way into <laughs> our 300 episodes. Do you have a voicemail? Yes. 
it's connected to our landline. So if the line is busy, please call back. <laughs> Just jiggle the string. You know? <laughs> so somebody's calling on the other end of the can. Do you remember when they had, and Elizabeth, do you remember when they came out with the long cords for the phone? Do you remember? And that changed the game? They did. Because your mom could walk through the house yes, right. and see you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. yes. 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 Usually she could, my mother was, was, was very skilled at holding the phone with one hand and grabbing you by the scruff of your neck with the other one. Of course. And dragging yes. you into... You know, from the she kept the phone in the summer when that was when like there was two phones in the house, so like one down, right, 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 one right. in their room. That's right, and one she in their room, the one in their room, and and that was the one that we would run in. I, that's the one I used to go in and sneak phone calls. Oh, mm-hmm. memories. Look, the phone a lot of a lot of the calls were about new edition. Um, there you go. <laughs> but she had the hand of death that could just drag you in. Um, Look, look, my mom's uh, headquarters phone was the one in the kitchen, and our our bedrooms were down the hallway. But she got I remember they came out with the long cords, and my mom could be in the hallway. George, come on, come on and said, no, can, can they fax us? Can they fax um, us, Lynn? Um, no, we've run out of paper. So <laughs> somebody put paper in the machine. <laughs> we've leveled up to the voicemail. After our carrier pigeon died. All right, let's get out of here. All right. Um, oh, we still got stuff we got to do. Oh, um, <laughs> like and follow us on all the social medias, ladies and gentlemen. Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube as well as on Twitch at Me Show Mission. Email us at Me Show Mission at gmail.com. Um, email us and tell us you left us a voicemail. And um, go to Me Show Mission, our website, Two Men One Podcast, every black film ever made, where you can hit swag and check out the cool designs that we have available for you from our good friends at Tee Public, including our exclusive Six Degrees of Dervell collection. So check that out. There, the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate, thepodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on the Michelle Mission, uh, Vincent and I are going to 1982 for losing ground yeah oh yeah yeah this is uh it's going to be a good one this is one of those uh um films that we've been like we're, as we near i was about to say we're we're in the final we're in the final stretch we're in the final the, stretch the now, so, so we're, we're we're bringing out the the heavyweight yeah right now so this is 290 you have nine left yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got 10 left 10 left uh as we make our way so uh it's gonna it's gonna be fun Losing Ground from 1982 next week here on the Michelle Mission. Until then, he's Vincent, I'm Len, and in parting we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again.